Good morning. Now tell me, how does anyone follow that music? What a blessing. It's told the whole story already. Um, I'm just going to try and fill in some of the blanks. <laughs> what a beautiful service so far. Thank you, Paige and Brenda, for playing what is one of my favorite songs, Ring the Bells. <laughs> Ring the Bells of Christmas. Oh, I feel spoiled this morning. Ah, thank you for asking me to do this, Pastor. I appreciate it. Interestingly enough, I've been using a devotional that I found in Dale's things when we cleaned out his home. And today's verse was, as much as it is, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. Romans 1.15. How about that? God's tying this whole thing together from beginning to end, I hope. Christmas and birthdays have always been big events in the Maxfield home, my home, and the Rogers home, Brenda's home. Parties, presents, and family fun. Right, Bev? <laughs> Speaking of family fun, we had a great time last night with the Foster family. And because Pam can't be here this morning, I want to say hello to Pam. Hello, Pam. Good morning. We wish you were here. But the birthday I want to tell you about this morning was not a bright or fun time. It was difficult. But this birthday was life-changing and powerful. As we meet here today, we are in the time of the year when we celebrate Christmas. The birth of Jesus is a special time of the year, and we should take time especially to reflect on who Jesus is and what he did for us. Not that we shouldn't all the time. In thinking about that and what I could share with you this morning during the Christmas season, the phrase, journey to Bethlehem, kept going through my mind. I felt the Lord was leading me to take on a journey to Bethlehem, to take us on a journey to Bethlehem. With a time and place so foundational to our Christian belief, I believe it is good to remember that special time and place from so long ago. So let us look at a part of the greatest story ever told. My goal is to take us chronologically through Matthew and Luke and look at the individuals involved and to see the common thread that God used to prepare those directly involved and how carefully this unimaginable and life-changing event was planned. God does everything decently and in order. As we know, the arrival of the Christ child had been talked about and predicted for many hundreds of years. We will begin our journey with one of the many verses from the Old Testament. And Tom, the one I had picked out first was the one that you read this morning from Micah. But I decided to take one of the other ones, and that's Isaiah 9.6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let's ask God to bless our time together. Heavenly Father, thank you for being here with us this morning. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you that we can remember what you've done for us, how you came to earth, how you planned it all out. 
We just thank you that you're there for each one of us as we choose to accept you. Lord, thank you for the beautiful surrounding this morning, for the music you've given to people to create and then to play and to sing. Thank you for that. We know it's all you. I just ask that you would speak through me this morning, help me to convey the thoughts that you want me to convey, and to do them in a way that honors you. And we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God has many ways of talking to his people. And three of those ways we see very clearly in our passages this morning here. They are hearing God through the Holy Spirit um, by dreams and from angels of the Lord. I think we'll see all three of those this morning. In Luke 1, we read that an angel appeared to Zechariah and told him that his wife Elizabeth would bear them a son. And Luke 1, 13 through 16 reads like this. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall re rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. And they've been doing that ever since. And I hope they will continue to do that until the Lord returns. We're praying for you, John, with that process that God has given you. And Elizabeth, and, and after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus has the Lord dealt with me in these days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And Elizabeth acknowledged that the Lord has done this for me. We can all think of things that the Lord has done for us, can't we? And the course of that son, and of course that son was John the Baptist who prepared the way for our Savior. Sometime after this, the angel Gabriel whispered, visited Mary to tell her not to be afraid. Are we afraid at times? Yes. But do we call on God and ask for strength? Yes. And does it come? Yes. We can trust him. We can count on him. And that she would give birth to a son and that his name would be Jesus, the Savior of the world. Then Mary visits Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, her baby leapt in her womb, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit, as we read in Luke, starting in verse 26. And that moves, moves us into Mary's story in Luke 1.26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph at the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of sal salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Can you think for a minute and imagine what must have been going through her mind and heart? Me? <laughs> Can you imagine? And I think there are times when we have wondered, Lord, you want me to do what? <laughs> but when he asks us to do something, he gives us what we need to do it. 
as, as Mary found out. In verse 32, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then Mary said unto the angel, how shall, I, how shall this be seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall, shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. What words to hear for a young teenage gal to hear these words. She was prepared. God had prepared her for that. And he prepares us for things that he asks us to do. Join me now as we read Joseph's story in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of God, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy, wife, Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And he shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Now all of this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. I have to stop and think what was going on in Joseph's mind. Uh, it, was a, it was just an unimaginable request, basically. I think that I have, in my mind, the times were quiet, the times were dull, perhaps. They were bleak at times. And all of a sudden, God is asking these people to do these incredible things. Are we ready for that, if it should happen to us? I, hope, I, need, I think we need to plan to be ready for God to do something special. <clears throat> then in Luke 2.8, we meet the shepherds. The shepherds vi were visited by an angel of the Lord, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, they were terrified, but again the angel said, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news. You will find the babe in the manger. I think the shepherds may be one of my favorite parts of the nativity story. They were just average guys working, hard work, dirty work, but they were doing something that was very important to their times. They were raising sheep that, used, that were used for sacrifices in the temple. And being the shepherds and doing that work, they couldn't go to the temple because they had to be clean before they could go to the temple. And that would have been quite a chore in those days. But they were doing an important work. And also, can you imagine what they thought when the angel of the Lord spoke to them, when, when the shepherds saw that, uh, that light in the sky, that angel in the sky? I kind of reckon it to, a, to what we know as an aurora borealis. God created that too, and he created that light and that star for the shepherds to see. What a time that must have been. And those guys were, were quiet, uh, gentle men, I think, and they were thinking, 
what is going on? <laughs> Once again, what is going on? What are we going to do? And can't you hear them talking amongst themselves? Hey, guys, what is that? What are we seeing? What are we witnessing? And, one, and they said to one another, we need to go and see because we've been asked and directed to go and see this child and where he lay. So off they went. And in Matthew 2, we are introduced to the wise men. Following prophecy that they had read and believed, the wise men arrived sometime later, perhaps when Jesus was nearing two years of age. As we can see, God set the time and place of his entry into the human life and used the ones who he knew would be humble and obedient to his calling and he reassured each one. Let's think for a moment about what it might be, have been happening in Bethlehem on this unimaginable and special night. I think a point here to make is that we need to be humble and obedient when God asks us to do something. We can't, uh, often I'm quick to say, well, I can't do that. But I'm also reminded really quickly that yes, you can if I ask you to do it because I'll give you what it takes to do it. And that's what we're seeing through this whole thread of this whole story of the nativity of our journey to Bethlehem. Life was not easy. Just living life was the occupation of many. Just think, no electricity, no running water, no lights except by candle or open flame, no central heat, no, none of the amenities that we have today. Now I have to remember that some folks are choosing to live off the grid nowadays for good reasons, and so this perhaps isn't as striking <laughs> to those folks, and that's okay too, but that's the, the part of the story that I'm looking at right now. Downtown Bethlehem was not an affluent area, and as I envision it, probably very basic and uneventful. Carpentry, farming, and every living and everyday living, including the daily chores, food prep, and living off the land were what kept the people going. Not a lot of things to do, as we are used to now. But on this particular day, on this particular day, it was not quiet, it was not dull at all. Something was going on. I suspect it was noisy, busy with flurries of activity all around. Something was happening. People were coming into town. A decree from the Roman government for each person to go to their hometown to be counted had been issued. As people arrived in town, businesses picked up and the local inn was already full accommodating the crowds. No doubt this was a great opportunity for anyone who was able to sell their wares to make a little extra income. There was to be a big crowd in town, you know. Now this isn't in the word, it's Vern's interpretation of what might have been going on there. But you can almost see it, can't you? Now arrive Mary and Joseph in Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. And it came to pass in those days that there was, went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. What a migration that must have been. What a trial. That wasn't easy. They had to go by camel or by foot or by whatever they could get. They didn't get into the car and go. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. 
And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. As we've heard so many times through the years, there was no room for them in the inn. It, and as I was studying and reading and looking for this, I was thinking, I wonder what that innkeeper thought the next morning when he found out what was going on. Did he remember, did he know that he turned away the birth of the savior of the world? I wonder, I have to wonder those things. Jesus was born. However, probably no one noticed a particular man and his wife riding into town on a donkey after a very long and arduous trip. They were weary, tired, and hungry. After all this, was such an, after all, this was such an inconvenient time to travel with a wife who was, all, who was ready to deliver a child. There was no place for them to stay except in a stable, but they had obediently journeyed to Bethlehem. They had humbly and obediently journeyed. They knew what they had to do because God had told them what to do, how to do it. The people God chose and invited to attend his arrival on earth were ordinary, everyday people whom God knew had willing, humble, and obedient hearts for him. I have to remember, do I have a willing and humble and obedient heart for him when he asked me to do something like preach? God's journey to Bethlehem, God's journey to Bethlehem started as a way for him to get to live physically among men for a time because he had created and loved us. God chose to journey to Bethlehem through a young teenage virgin who had created for this specific purpose. Mary was to deliver Jesus, who would later deliver her. Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem began with a vision to each one separately in which they were given directions and assurance from angels. He knew Mary's heart and that she would believe what the angel came to tell her. He knew that Jesus would come to under, he knew that Joseph would come to understand his mission and he chose to accept it. Do we choose to accept missions when God gives them to us? We need to think about it when we find that he's pointing us in some direction. The shepherd's journey to Bethlehem began after seeing a spectacular gathering of angels announcing the birth of the Christ child and a very special invitation to these common, hard-working men. The wise men journeyed to Bethlehem because they were curious about this new star in the sky, and they were careful observers of the times. They had heard that the promised Messiah had been born. Brendan and I had the privilege years ago to sit under a man by the name of <coughs> Ron Rhodes. He's an apologist and a very careful observer of the times. He's very careful, he very carefully takes the scriptures and unfolds them in light of what's going on today. And he's very good at it. He, and he, he said, I would encourage you all to be careful observers of the times because the times that we are living in even now, things are changing daily. We can see the word of God opening up daily in front of us, in the paper, on the news, in conversations with people, and we need to be, realize what is going on. We need to be careful observers of the times. And oh yes, there was a jealous, power-hungry Roman king, Herod. He heard that the king of the Jews had been born, 
and he was concerned for his own position and power. He was jealous, he was angry, and he was going to do something about it. God prevented King Herod from carrying out his plan to kill all male children two years old and under. God protects us in amazing ways, as you know, as we step out and do what he asks us to do. We don't know how he's going to do it, but he finds a way. And that's so that we'll know that it's him doing it. When he does things that we don't understand, we have to realize that it's him that's doing it and not we ourselves. These journeys were orchestrated by God himself. God planned this entire scene. It causes us to ask, why did, why did or should you and I journey to Bethlehem? What did or should encourage us to want to go? Do you remember when you first started your journey to Bethlehem? When you first accepted Christ as your savior? That was a big step. And it began a journey to Bethlehem, back to Jesus. Why do we do it? I think we do it because in our heart we know it's the right thing. We know it's what God has for us. And as we think it through and as we read the scriptures and watch what's going on, we can't make any other final decision except that it's God at work in us. God arranged his journey to Bethlehem to provide mankind a way to get to him. He chose Mary and Joseph, he invited the shepherds, and he sent the wise men to seek him. And he wants every one of us to seek and to follow him. The shepherds' work was important, but they took time to answer the call to go and see. God left heaven and his royal throne room to become a man so to live among his people and to see what their lives were like. Mary and Joseph left their homes knowing only that God called them for a specific task. We don't always get a lot of details when God asks us to do something. But when we start doing it, they start opening up and we see what he's doing and we can see, ah, oh, it is God at work. It is what he wants me to do. And it gives us the strength and the courage to go on as it did Mary and Joseph, as it did the shepherds, as it did the wise men, and each one that began to accept him back in the day when he was born and as he started his ministry. The wise men left their countries to travel afar because they were anticipating the arrival of the Messiah. What causes us to leave our home, family, a decent job, familiar surroundings, and go and see? Is it a word from God? Are we, willing, are we listening closely enough to hear? I can, uh, I can remember back 34 years in this very room when one of our own was asked to go to Bible school. He realized God was calling him to go to Bible school, and it was a hard decision. He had a good job. He had a great family, a nice home, and God says, Steve, I need you to go to Bible school because I want you to become a pastor. And if you don't think that wasn't difficult, it was. We were close friends with them, and having to part from them was not easy at the time, and today it still isn't. <laughs> but God asks us to do hard things. And a few years later, another one of our folks was asked to go to Bible school to become a pastor. And a few years later, another man was asked, and all three of those men went into the pastorate from here. They did what God asked them to do, 
and this church was lovingly supporting of them through that whole time. So they were listening closely enough to hear. We need to listen closely enough to hear what he has for us. And, I, and it may not be anything big. It may be something small. It may be just a little tasks he wants us to do to go see somebody, to visit someone, to encourage them, to cheer them on. And we don't always know what a big difference that makes in anybody's life. But when God is asking to do it, us to do it, we know he's asking us for a reason. It occurs to me that most people in the village didn't know who this couple was that had come, only why. It is likely that for the most part, their lives didn't change and their lives went on. But oh, the lives of Mary and Joseph, the shepherds were changed forever. They had a new story to tell, one that changes the life of everyone who chooses to believe. And I've got to stop because the Lord is telling me to say, we have a lady in our audience this morning that was called out of here to go to Bible school, and she went. Amanda, where are you this morning? She's where? Yeah? Okay, I saw her earlier, so I knew she had been here. But she accepted the challenge to go, and she went. And those are just, and I'm sure there's others here too that I have that aren't coming to mind. But when we choose to do great things for God, He shows us the way. Many of our students have gone to Christian colleges, and that's shown them the way to perhaps a pastorate, perhaps a teacher position, perhaps just just an ordinary uh, person within a congregation that helps others along the way to encourage and to cheer them on. And it, it occurs to me, oh, what, what uh, Mary and Joseph were in for raising that little boy. You see, they knew who he was. He was to be the long-awaited savior. Put yourselves in their shoes, knowing that you're raising Jesus, that you're raising the savior of the world. What a challenge. What a life-changing experience. Oh, what excitement the shepherds had to share. The very reason for their work became even more valuable to them. The product of their work was to raise and provide sheep for sacrifices needed to take away sin. In time, Jesus would do that. All this transition in one little village, in one little corner of the world, changed the lives of these people who willingly participated and the world they knew. How have our lives been changed by him? When we look back, do we see the growth that we've had in him through the years? Can we look back and say, oh wow, God has shown me this. Oh wow, God has taught me that. I am making progress in growing to be more like Jesus. The thread of the story, the excitement of truth, the thread of the story and the excitement of the truth of it, the way in which God directed the entire story begins with the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist to Zechariah and Elizabeth, on through the announcement to the coming Messiah to Mary, and the same to Joseph, and on to the invitation to the shepherds to come and see. And finally, the arrival of the wise men who are following the star which was put in place in the sky by God for them to follow. An amazing testimony to the way God works, one I trust we will continue to embrace more and more in the days ahead. And it's fun as a church family to see 
each one of us grow in different ways. The way he puts us through trials and how we handle them, whatever, however big or small they might be, whatever bumps he puts in the road, we have to realize they're there for a reason. And generally, we find out, sometimes we never do. But we grow through those trials. We grow through those bumps in the road. And that's what he wants us to do. That's why he came, so that he could, so that he could uh, provide a way for us to return to him and that we could grow in getting to know him along the way. <clears throat> what a journey, I would say. God directed each event and each step of the way to accomplish his goal. What an encouragement to determine to let him direct ours, would you say? With Jesus, life is brighter, more exciting, and brings contentment in our spirit. So how is your journey to Bethlehem? Have you found the Christ child as Joseph and Mary, the shepherds and the wise men did? Have the journey and the Christ child, the one who came to offer us a way to be saved from our sins, changed your life? It has mine. Now let us go and help each other find their way to Bethlehem, that they too may find the Christ child. Then let's give them the gift of introducing someone to Jesus, especially at this season of giving and remembering. Our Christmas will be more blessed for it, and so will theirs. Knowing Jesus is life-changing, as Mary and Jesus, the shepherds, and the wise men found out. My hope for each of us is to have a blessed Christmas time as we celebrate and remember how and why it all began. Now let's go and give them Jesus. If there's anyone here that this is affected this morning that is outside of Jesus and would like to get inside Jesus and start their journey to Bethlehem, please talk with some one of us. We'd be glad to talk with you, Pastor Wood, the elders, anyone in the congregation would be glad to share what they know about Jesus with you because it's life-changing. Lord, thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for what you did for us. Thank you for the love that you show us, the way you encourage, the way you teach, the way you discipline, the way that you do things for us so that we can learn to help you and to be your feet and your voice at times to those around us. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak and to share your word. And I just trust that it will be a blessing to each one. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen.